This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Excels podcast, the Newport County podcast that's made by the fans for the fans. I'm your host, Jamie Harris, and for this week's episode, we have a special guest. I won't keep you in suspense because, well, you've already read the episode title. Um, So in lieu of a match report from the excellent win at Forest Green on Saturday, uh, a result which has cemented the pod's current view that, that while this season will be inconsistent, we're going to be looking up the table rather than over our shoulders. Unless Coughlin happens to leave, then all bets are off. Um, it, it was great to see Will Evans getting in on the goals again on Saturday. We said over the summer that he works hard and that he just needs to add a few more goals to his game. Uh, topping the league to scoring charts with five goals plus a sixth in that cup game against Charlton really exceeds our hopes for him. And it's just lovely to watch a player like him enjoy a purple patch. Uh, elsewhere on the side, our, our concerns about where the goals are coming from uh, seem to have disappeared. We're creating chances aplenty, and it's it's just a joy to watch us string some passes together, cut through teams, be a little bit more creative and assertive. And, and at the back as well, where we thought we might struggle to replace an entire defensive line, the replacements are starting to gel, so that's um, it's all looking up. Um, we've got three home games in the space of a week coming up against Southwest London sides in the league against Sutton and Wimbledon and that bonus cup game against Premier League Brentford as well. Uh, we'll be back with a panel discussion after next weekend's game. But for now, let's turn to our interview this week. Um, it was a delight to chat to Rob Phillips. He of BBC Radio Wales fame, uh, born in Newport, Rob has covered county and Welsh football more broadly for, for many years. Uh, he's been with the club throughout the highs and the lows of recent years, the, the, the cup runs, the playoff uh, wins and near misses as well. Um, in the interview, Rob talks fondly of his time reporting on the club, um, his interactions with managers and board directors of the past, including Justin Edinburgh, Graham Wesley, Dave Boddy, Michael Flynn. Um, he speaks candidly as well about how he saw James Robry's time come to an end last year. And he also shares his thoughts on Graham Coughlin and how he's been able to build that side in his image. Uh, Rob also allows us to peek behind the commentator's box and shares how he prepares for matches and takes us through covering um, our big games over the years, including that 2013 player final against Wrexham and the 2017 Great Escape finale. Um, This interview was recorded on the eve of the football season um, in early August, so while both Rob and I gave somewhat reserved predictions and thoughts about the season ahead, 
we might have recalibrated our views uh, after the opening few games. Um, I know I have. Um, I was taking on quite a pragmatic approach and expecting a season of bottom half football this year. But to be honest, I've been blown away. Um, I'll continue to say in, in Cocker we trust. You can't help but love the man and really sort of believe that he's, he's the man to sort of take us forward. As ever, we do love hearing your feedback on the pod. So do leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. And if you're able to support the show, there are links to our Kofi account in the show notes. And if you're heading to an away match we're not at, we'd be delighted to hear your experiences from the game. So just drop us a DM on at 1912XLs on Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, anyway, without further ado, here's BBC Radio Wales's Rob Phillips. You'll have heard him on the airwaves covering Welsh football, uh, his voice synonymous with BBC Radio Wales's coverage. Um, Rob Phillips, delighted to have you with us. Oh, delighted to be here, Jamie. Delighted oh, to be here. Thank you very much. Well, first up, I'm not going to ask you who you support because I know whatever answer you give us will upset some of your, your BBC Radio Wales fan base. So um, perhaps, uh, you know, because you cover all, all the Welsh clubs, don't you, um, mm-hmm. on, on your sort of coverage. So... Perhaps instead we can start a little bit more broadly. We can we can maybe start thinking about you know the general state of play of of the Welsh clubs and Welsh football as it stands. You know, are you sort of feeling you know in a sort of buoyant, optimistic mood, or are you a little bit more uh, I don't know on the pessimistic side? Um, if you're the latter, you'd fit right in um, here at nineteen twelve Excels. By the way, <laughs> no, don't do yourselves down. I I listen to your podcast a lot. Um, Am I pessimistic or optimistic? I am always optimistic because every fan is, football fan is, at the start of the season. They all think their team is going to do brilliantly. And then realism tends to strike in, sometimes after one game, sometimes after a few games. Um, So we get it. But that's what being a football fan is all about. If you can't be optimistic at the start of the season, when can you be? And generally, I mean, let's look at it. Cardiff and Swansea are in the championship, which is probably the most competitive league of all, I would say. I mean, you know, you can't say now who's going to win the championship. I don't expect Cardiff or Swansea to win the second tier, but you just never know. Whereas Premier League, I mean, I've seen Premier League games, covered Swansea there for seven years, Cardiff there for a couple of years. Would you bet against Manchester City now? It's almost a one-horse race, I would say. I may come back to to that may come back to haunt me at the end of the season. And of course, in League Two, you know, let's mention it now. You've got Wrexham back there, and it's the first time since what is it, nineteen eighty-eight, that all four Welsh clubs have been back in the football league. I think that is fantastic. And for me, as a commentator, two Welsh derbies, or rather, four Welsh derbies this season. What's not to like about that? Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, it I, is. I'm I'm kind of of the same view as you. You know, it's much more exciting in the in the championship um, and in League Two. Uh, you know, than it is watching you know Man City win every week five 0 or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, I think because of that, you're right. We go in with this sort of sense of yeah, who knows what could happen? You know, it could be a it could be, you know, it could be a fantastic year um, for, for Welsh football. 
It is. Yeah. And I think sort of if you encompass all of Welsh football, you've got the women's national team on the up, women's football generally on the up, let's be honest about it, which I think is terrific. Um, and then the men's national team. I mean, I've been really lucky. I always say it. I'll say it again now. I've probably got the best job in the world as far as I'm concerned because I love Wales. I love watching football. And I've covered Welsh football at international level, but also club level, uh, for what, 25 years on the Beeb, uh, a good 15 years or so on newspapers before that, or in fact, 20 years or so on newspapers uh, before that. And this is a golden time for Welsh football, has been a golden time for Welsh football. So you just look back uh, since I became football correspondent, which was 2013. You go back in the league after 25 years out, whoever would have thought, playing a Welsh club at Wembley. Um, you know, in 2008, Cardiff got to Wembley, have been back there since, so have Swansea. They've won at Wembley. So I've been to, there was a stage when I was going to Wembley virtually every year. You know, Newport and the trophy uh, final, <laughs> and then the, the playoffs. And we all know what happened uh, in in the league playoffs as well. So it's just been brilliant. And then to cap it all, after 58 years, Wales reach the Euros, get to France, end up in the semi-finals, and they follow that up with another Euros qualification uh, and a World Cup in Qatar. I've been yeah. truly blessed. You never hear me grumble about the. I do grumble sometimes about the state of clubs and the state of Welsh football, but actually, generally, We've lived through an unbelievable period, virtually all the clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you take that step back, don't you? You can like grumble about the day-to-day -day stuff or like what's happening right in front of you. But like you say, if you take a step back, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, we've yeah, like you say, Welsh football teams have been to Wembley countless times uh, in the last decade or so. And it is a huge change from say you know the you know the football that you know we were seeing in the 90s and even like the early 2000s as well um you know i, I know you sort of you know if if we say maybe segue this to, to newport in particular obviously newport's mm. sort of, you know trajectory since the reformation in in 89 um obviously they've been on quite a roller coaster haven't they and like the 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 non-league stuff is I mean, it's obviously a far cry from what we're seeing today, but it still had its sort of fair share of um, adventures. Um, I remember our Conference South days in the sort of the mid noughties when I sort of first, you know, really fell in love with the club. Um, but I mean, what what about your your memories? Because um, you know, I, I believe you were at the uh, the Argus beforehand, weren't you? Before I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I go back well before all that. Um, I was born in Newport in St Willis Hospital. And I was brought up, I always say, on the terraces at Summerton Park. Um, and I remember going to watch Newport in the days of, well, even Tony Buck. And then John Relish is a player. And then, you know, uh, he was he was a big uh, hero of mine. And then suddenly he's the manager of the team I'm covering. One of my ambitions going into journalism was to report on Newport County, which I did for the Argus in the 80s. Uh, Jimmy Mullen was manager. I had some great times. Bobby Smith, um, those sort of, and they weren't great times for the club, but, you know, John Relish and Leighton James keeping Newport up that year. Um, and sort of, I remember as a, 
a youngster going to watch the Workenden game when Eddie Wood scored the goal that kept Newport in the league. So you go to all that. Then I sort of read the writing on the wall and I moved to the Echo to cover Cardiff. And that was just as new, the old Newport County were going out of existence. But and then I was in license for the start of the new club. And little did I think it was all, it was just extraordinary to even contemplate that 25 years on, Newport would be back in the Football League, just rising from the ashes and to, to go through all the battles against authorities, against the FAW, uh, various exiles, you know, Morton in Marsh, what a place that was. What a place synonymous now with Newport football, whoever would have thought. And that day in 2013, uh, I'd, I'd started covering Wrexham um, when I joined joined the Beeb for the first time. And they were two, Newport against Wrexham, I, I must say, in 2013, was one of the hardest games I've ever commentated on. Because... I will, I love the people at Wrexham, people like Geraint Parry, the long-serving secretary, one of the nicest men in football. They were really good as well. And then Newport County, uh, a club which was really dear to me. And it was a tough, tough game to commentate on. Uh, but I've said this before. Um, I don't know whether you know this, but you remember that season, Newport were way behind in games and they were playing a Thursday mm. night to catch up in games. And I always remember the late, great Justin Edinburgh. I was down there for a Thursday night match a few weeks before the end of the season. And we went into the old kitchen and um, I said to him, look, he said, I said, um, Wrexham had been sort of waiting around in playoffs, a bit like Kidderminster. Uh, you know, they were pretty guaranteed. Newport were... We'll, we'll get in there. And so we knew at BBC Wales who we were going to cover. And I said to Justin Edward, I said, um, I'm going to be doing the Wrexham semi-finals, home and away against Kidderminster. So I won't be at Grimsby and I won't be here for the Newport game. I said, but I hope both clubs get to Wembley. And he said, Rob, he said, um, Kidderminster, he said, that'll be a high-scoring game against Wrexham, but I think Wrexham will beat them. And he said, we'll sneak past Grimsby. I said, all right, okay. I said, what about the final then, Justin? And he went, I'll be honest with you, Rob, they'll play most of the football, but we've got the strikers to get us over the line. And I think that's what's going to happen. I will never, ever forget that conversation <laughs> because that's exactly how it turned out. And I remember saying to Justin in the tunnel at Wembley afterwards, you better do the lottery tonight, mate, because you could be on a big winner. Remember that conversation? And it's just extraordinary. Those sort of tales will live me, with me forever. Great guy. Yeah. Um, and sorely missed, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I I remember that season well. You say it was hard to commentate on. It was much harder to watch in the stands, I tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, it was a nervy match, wasn't it? It was a nervy match right up until that first goal went in. Um, and yeah, I was, I was just sort of crossing my fingers for extra time at that, at that playoff final. But... Well, if you remember, I commentate now with Andy Morrell, uh, who was yeah. at Wrexham at the time. And we still sort of smile about it. In fact, he can smile more now because Wrexham are back in the league. But, uh, I remember speaking to Dave Boddy, who was the chief executive, I think, at Newport at the time. And I said, how much is this going to be worth? And he said, it'll be worth about a million pounds if we go into 
the Football League. I remember describing Christian Jolly's goal as the million-pound goal. I was quite proud of that, but it was all about Dave Body, really, <laughs> um, who's now at Coventry, of course. Uh, yeah. So, there. so, yeah, it was... It was um, it was really tough. It's one of the few games, I'll let you into a bit of a secret, one of the few games where I've sort of written notes at the end for the final whistle to cover both eventualities and a draw as well, but yeah. both eventualities because I really felt on edge, treading on eggshells to be right down the middle in the commentary, but um, what a day. Yeah. What's it? That's really interesting um, because I hear stories about, you know, the, the kind of prep that the commentators will do for games. And some will like almost like write out like the the eulogy or the, you know, the ending, uh, you know, and then read it out of your know, piece. Or is that something you 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 say you rarely do that? Um, but it was just for that game. It was just so, so tense and so tight. I do I want... a lot of prep on players. um on the club i i'd imagine probably no exaggeration to say i do about three to four hours prep on every game i do um and the way i do it i do sort of i've got it electronically now i've moved mm. it i used to have um stickers to go in a book but i did the wales usa friendly at the liberty state or swansea.com stadium a few years ago and all my subs blew away so i thought that's gonna end <laughs> So so I've got a stencil now. So the Newport players are all on a stencil, little details about them. And then I have uh, de- uh, stats about the game and the club, the manager, all this sort of stuff down the side. And I do that for both clubs. Um, so it helps when you're covering four clubs, you can see them regularly. And so I don't have to do it every game. So I sort of, I can almost turn up at a, a Newport game and do it off the top of my head. But you've got to have those details. And actually, it's the other stuff I quite like, not so much the stats, but it's the um, Victor Willis. We were talking about it today on Radio Wales, actually. Uh, Victor Willis of Village People had a house in Newport, which is a stat I always come out with. Um, if I can, if, of trivia, I always come out with it if I can think about it. So it just, I think, well, fans get bored with stats. They don't mean a lot in the context of it. They can do, but. Sometimes they don't. So I'd rather give them a bit of needless trivia, really, which just pleases me and makes me giggle. But no, I don't often write out. I never write out word for word what I'm going to say, but I do sort of jot down notes. So, you know, how do you how do you prepare for Mark O'Brien's life saving goal uh, against Notts County to keep Newport in the league? You can't prepare for that, really. No. <laughs> Just call it as it is. And I, and I smile with OB now because, actually, I didn't see him put it in the net. I saw the ball go in the net, and I guessed it was him, the way he was running away celebrating. Um, thankfully, it's one of the best guesses I've ever made because can you imagine getting that wrong? <laughs> yeah, you'd end up having to dub that over for the archives, wouldn't Absolutely, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that was another absolutely magical game, and yeah, that that goal, that uh, turn, that sort of swivel, and then sort of left footed half volley, um, left footed cross from Pipey as well, which everyone um, always sort of maybe doesn't re- really remember, but like I, I think it's the only left footed cross I, I can recall and putting in anyway. But uh, yeah, well, what I remember most about it is that um, well, two things actually. One, I had to stand up on a seat at the back of. Uh, the then Hazel stand at Rodney Parade, so I could see over all the crowd, because I'm not very big, as you well know. 
And uh, I couldn't see what was happening otherwise, particularly after the goal had been scored. But the other thing I remember was when Mike Flynn took over, and I'd known Flynn pretty well, and a uh, great character, just synonymous with the club. Um, but not everybody got on with Graham Wesley. And I actually did. I saw Graham Wesley's last game. I commentated on it. It was the Orient defeat. The 4-0, yeah. Uh, yeah, 4-0. And um, I think it was either the next week or the week after, Newport were at Morecambe uh, on a Tuesday night. And actually, I tend to text managers when they go and say thank you for everything. Graham Wesley was an awkward cuss on times, but I actually thought he was okay. You at least he never gave you bland answers, Graham Wesley. Maybe not always the answers you expect, but he wasn't bland. There's nothing worse than a boring manager pre-match. But he he made sure you're on your toes. He would test you as well. But what I will say is that uh, I was just in the car park at the Morecambe Ground. I think it was called the Oval, if I remember rightly. I mm. think it was there. Uh, I had a text off Graham Wesley saying, enjoyed your questions over the time I've been manager. Sorry it didn't work out, that sort of thing. And that's good with me. So if I meet Graham Wesley again, actually, if you look back, he did a favour walking out that day because I think any later, the great escape wouldn't have been on. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, I mean, what was it, 12 games in the end that uh, Flinney had? Um, yeah, and and as well, like you, you have to remember as well, like Flinney didn't really have the option to to bring in any players because it was, what, March time, wasn't it? So he was, yeah, sort of was. left with the, the players that Wesley had, um, had brought in. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you say, what a turnaround. And um, yeah, Flinney's, um, yeah. Are you surprised that maybe he's not, maybe gone up a division um, because obviously, you know, he had his time at, at Walsall. Uh, now he's at Swindon. Would you have guessed uh, like, cause there was probably maybe a season or so certainly before he left Newport that Flinney was really in like high demand and like he was getting linked with every single, you know, football league job that was going. Yeah. You're a little bit surprised that he's, he's not maybe moved up a level. Yeah. I think it's been difficult for him. I think there were, Huge expectations at Walsall. Um, myself and Nathan Blake saw the Newport game at Walsall last season, uh, the one-all draw. And I've got to say, they were fine when they were leading 1-0, but when the equaliser went in, and County deserved a point that day, um, you could see the crowd started to turn. And, we're, and we both said hello to Flinney afterwards, because you do with Flinney. <laughs> He's just a joy. And we sensed then that things weren't going perfectly for him. So I wasn't totally surprised when him and Wayne Hatswell went towards the end of the season. Um, but I'm not surprised either that he got immediately the Swindon job, which he's been linked with plenty of times. I mean, mm. in my time, when he was Newport manager, we used to fend off all the time sort of stories about him going here, there and everywhere. And in fact, people from other clubs were asking me about him. Um because he has got something. I mean, you know, we, we talk about uh, Newport as such. They punched above their weight big time, not just the FA Cup uh, exploits, which were ridiculous. Um, but Flinney got himself a really big reputation, uh, not only for being able to match big teams, to beat big teams, Leicester, Middlesbrough, Bristol City in the, uh, in the sort of early days, Leeds United. Not just that, but also 
they were able to, he was able to have these great contacts. I mean, has there been a better loan player at a club than Ben White? Because I'm struggling to think of any. I remember watching Newport at Leeds in the League Cup. Uh, I think Josh Labadee scored after about 15 minutes to go one up. They lost 5-1 in the end. Mm. But Kevin Ratcliffe was alongside me. And after about 10 minutes, he said, who's the left back? And I said, oh, that's uh, Ben White. He said, where's he from? I said, on loan from Brighton. He said, for how long? I said, a season. He said, that is remarkable. He said, he's the best player on the pitch. He said, how have Newport got in for a year? Well, thank Mike Flynn and his contacts and Lenny Lawrence and Paul Trollope yeah. and all those sort of people. But Flynn had more to him than just being a, a decent manager. I think, and the other thing, you'll know this, Jamie, I used to love the fact that if things weren't going well, he'd just throw on a load of subs and so often it would work without any real thought about well, how this could end up. He just did it. And uh, so I still think he's got more to, there's more to come from Michael Flynn. And more to prove as well, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, his his dealings in the loan market. I mean, we were blessed with uh, you know several sort of young guns coming in, weren't we? Over the over the last five six years, we've we've been very fortunate. And I think at this level, it's hard not to get um, too attached to these players because you know you're not going to hold on to them forever. Even not maybe not even a whole season if they're doing a job. Um, and I think that's maybe what happened a few times. We had a lot of players get recalled in January, didn't we? Um, and uh, yeah, but hard to replace well, look as at well. Scott yeah. Twine. Look at Scott Twine. Look at Ollie Cooper. I was raving to Swansea fans about Ollie Cooper for his time at Newport. I know he's a Welsh international. Uh, Antoine Semenya now playing Premier League football. Yeah, um, and, and World Cup football. It's not just a coincidence, yeah. is it? Yeah, not a coincidence. Yeah, quite. And World Cup football as well, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that kind of brings me uh, nicely onto, you know, obviously having to punch a- above our weight, and we've been, we've been sort of doing that for for years and years, and we're going to have to carry on doing it this season because uh, obviously Graham Coughlin, he's uh, he's got he's got to deal with uh, you know a lot of players going this summer. He's got to deal with um, you know very limited budget and to try and sort of bring in who he can and as many sort of uh, you know bodies as he can, and then he's got to deal with. Highly competitive league two, um, you know, uh, table this year where the, there's a lot of teams with, you know, decent uh, levels of budgets and it's going to be very competitive. Um, how do you see? I, I know you're actually quite a big fan of of what Coughlin's done so far, aren't you? But um, how do you see that sort of then progressing into his first full season at the club? I am a big fan of Graham Coughlin. Um, I sort of feel he fits the Newport DNA. You know, we talked about 25 years of struggle to get into, to um, start a new club and develop into a football league club and that unbelievable journey. I feel that, you know, because Newport have had to fight for everything, I feel he's absolutely, he he gets the DNA of the club. It's very much in his spirit as well. Um, Some of the football last season wasn't great and actually... I was a bit disappointed. I always thought they got rid of James Robbery a little bit too early. Um, okay. People can argue about that because I liked the way Robbery was trying to develop the team. But I've spoken to James since. And I'm not sure he has too many sort of bad feelings about it now because um, 
you know, again, maybe they acted just in time. What he did, I thought, Graham Coughlin, really well was stabilise the ship, made Newport a little bit more durable, made them harder to beat, definitely, and gave them a bit of steel, which showed, I thought, after January, when they picked up big away wins, not by um, big scores, but winning at Barrow, winning at Hartlepool, um, nicking games, mm. making it worth what Grimsby, I think, as well. Um, I was there for those, and that was a tough spell where they had long trips, but they were going to places, hanging on at times, but actually picking up huge points because, let's be honest, the home form was pretty poor last season, very poor. Uh, I think six home wins, wasn't it, for in the league last season? So I liked uh, Coughlin for that. I liked Harry Charlesley coming in in January. I thought he signed shrewdly. I thought the two youngsters, Charlie McNeil, Callum Kavanagh, thought they both added a bit. Yeah, they're not sort of ready-made League Two places, uh, players, but they actually had a bit of something about them. He coped with the injuries. And so I think, you know, I've been listening again to Graham Coughlin. He knows what this season is going to be all about. He's not jealous of the wealth at Wrexham, but I bet secretly he'd love the same wealth. <laughs> um, I remember asking him towards the end of last season, is the club rudderless with all the off-the-field stuff going on? But he said, well, not on the football side, they're not. And that's where I feel, they're not on the football side. Yes, he has to operate within a, a very restricted budget. They're probably going to be the lowest budgeted club in the league. But I think uh, I put on the BBC World Sport preview today that, you know, that phrase you use a lot, in Coco we trust, I think it's going to have real resonance this season because a lot of the, the A, we um, Newport have relied on him to get in some players, to be honest, without spending a lot of money, and so there'll be that. I don't suppose any of them are really household names bar Adam Lewis, which was a real rabbit out of the hat a few days ago, and I think he's a really good recruit again because I was really impressed. The way that Robri and him developed him last season on loan from Liverpool, so I think that's good, um, and you just feel that whatever weaknesses Newport may have, They've got a goal scorer up front, despite all his critics in Omar Bogle, and they've got a manager who knows his way around the division, knows how to go to places, tough venues, tough gigs, and come away with maybe not something that is aesthetically pleasing to see, but actually home with points in the bag. Yeah, I think um, you're quite right. We'll we'll happily take the points um, over the, uh, the the beautiful football. Um, that you know, we we like I think like you were saying, we admired um, what James Roby was trying to set out and do, um, and we know that this style is completely different. Um, but you know, needs must at the moment when you're operating on the shoestring budget, you kind of have to you kind of have to sort of limit yourselves a little bit. Not the you know. Yeah, maybe this group of players, you know, maybe this group of players is is going to be, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, positive and 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 the style might be a lot more uh, beautiful to watch than we might think. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you never knows, know, you know? Too, because <laughs> you know when when uh, Liam Shepard left, you thought, oh, where where are Newport going to get as good a right wing back as that? And then Cameron Norman pops up, 
Um, Cameron Norman goes. Well, who knows now? Uh, at right wing back, who knows what will happen there? But you know, it 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 does happen. Let's be honest. County will not be a club fancy to make top six or top seven. Um, and if I was to ask you now, you'd probably say I'd take where where Newport ended last season because let's face it, when he took over. I think they were three points off the bottom two and they ended up 15 points, was it? Away from yeah. the relegations, comfortably away from the relegations. Even though he would never admit it, even though at one stage there was even talking about, well, maybe sneak into playoffs. He never said that. But silly journalists like me were starting to think <laughs> that. You never know. Just a few more points. Um, yeah. He wasn't buying any of that. He was straight down the line. No, uh, never mentioned relegation. No, he never did. Yeah. Same. I never mentioned relegation. Did at the end when we asked him about it. He said, "I didn't once say the word relegation. All I wanted to do was improve things." And you've got to say, with Joey Dunn, he seems to have done a good job so far. But make no mistake, this will be one of his toughest seasons. I'm sure. Absolutely, I think I think so too. Um, before I ask you for a. Um... A, 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 well, maybe a general sort of prediction, or like whether whether you think they sort of muddle through. Um, I just want to go back to what you were you were saying about uh, James Roby. You you mentioned that um, you thought he might have been uh, you know let go a little bit too soon. We've had a lot of debates on this uh, on this very podcast about that subject. And um, when you were obviously covering the club at the start of last season, and you know, I think it was you know the home form in particular that was pretty pretty dreadful it was a dreadful run of you know no wins at all at home um i mean obviously did i mean did you see the writing on the wall was was you said roby didn't really have many complaints by the end of it did he kind of see it coming did he feel like he could have maybe turned it around or i think he did i think you've got to go back to the season before last the end of that when Mm. there was at one stage you're in a really good place for playoffs and then it started to all unravel a lot, I think, about injuries, particularly in the midfield. He had this great way, didn't he, of uh, having um, midfield players who he could pull out and replace with another midfield player without any real uh, sort of diminution in quality. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he had goal scorers up front in Don Jeffries. Um, so that helped. But then it started to unravel, and the form, unfortunately, went into the start of the next season. What I liked about the club when they appointed Robbery was they seemed to have a project. They seemed to have a plan. It was Robbery was the coach. Then they brought in a, a sporting director or a, a director of football, whatever you want to say. And I thought, well, if you get rid of Robbery, what happens to the plan? That was my thing. I understood the results. I understood why a, a club would act on results. Flinney went through some poor times, mind, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They always had faith in Flinney. Um, but maybe the writing was on the wall. As I said, I could see it coming, but I was hoping that they'd hang on to him. Now I think they probably made the right decision uh, to to get rid of James Robbery when they did, as harsh as as that sounds. And one of the reasons why I say that is that I was there for his last defeat. By memory, Rochdale, um, a defeat at home to Rochdale. And you know where I sit at the back of the stand. And I know a lot of the Newport fans because they, they have the same seats every season. They know who I am and they know I do a phone in afterwards, uh, after games. 
and I, I've never seen so much venom and anger at the final whistle. Tell him to get rid of him now. He's got to go, this sort of thing. And I thought, wow. And, and James looked, you know, it was impossible not to hear it. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a very vocal area behind the dugouts anyway. Uh, that's where the, the county fans, uh, the singing county fans go. But there was real anger and real venom in the comments. They weren't shouting at me. I mean, they were shouting at me, but only because they felt frustrated that they couldn't say it to somebody in authority, but I could sort of thing. Mm. And so that's, you know, it was an awkward press conference afterwards. He dealt with it really well. You have to ask the same questions. Are you still the man for the job? You heard the, you know, I've, I've done it countless times. It's not a, it's not something I enjoy, but the good managers, the experienced managers know you've got to ask it. And yep. we all asked yep. the, the, the similar questions as you would. He dealt with it and then he was gone within a couple of days. And then the project went because the director mm-hmm. of football went soon afterwards. And clearly, given what he said at the end of the season, Graham Coughlin was no fan of him anyway. <laughs> Um, I do have one last question for you very quickly. Um, and it's all about this um, David Buttress stuff with uh, Rodney Parade and the Dragons. And everyone was getting very excited last month. Um, of course, like we don't know what the real implications are you know, going to be for the club, uh, Newport County, the club. But, um, you know, we're, we were getting all excited, dreaming up, uh, you know, a sporting club to Newport kind of, uh, uh, you know, dream scenario where it's like this kind of one big community club. Um, I mean, it, would that be a potentially exciting uh, move if there were, you know, that everything was sort of a little bit closer together, if not under a, one umbrella, but, you know, a few more sort of closer connections? I went to a funeral uh, a while ago of... Uh, an old Argus colleague of mine, Robin Davies, synonymous with Gwent Rugby um, for years and years. And David Buttress was there. And I know Mark Jones, who's the Rodney Parade sort of, was the Rodney Parade ground manager, Dragons director now, isn't he? Or managing mm-hmm. director, whatever. And um, he introduced me to David Buttress and I said, when are you going to buy County? Uh, and he said, well, Look, my dad, I think it's his dad, is a big county yeah. fan season ticket holder. He is, yeah. So give me a chance. I've got to sort out the Dragons first. Um, if it happened, I mean, it hasn't been a total success in Bristol, but if they had a similar sort of sporting setup to what Steve Lansdowne has created at Bristol, um, I think it would work because Rodney Parade has got so much going for it. I know it's a, it's a rugby ground, let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. And um, you you take that into consideration, but how many other grounds can you go to in the football league where a walk across the bridge and you've got restaurants and bars? So so as an away fan, you'd love to go to Rodney Parade because everything is close. You walk across the river uh, and there you're in the football ground. It's very few these days central city town football grounds. That's one of them, and I think it works. Really good atmosphere. Actually, I think County do the atmosphere very well. Uh, the Hey Home Newport County was a stroke of genius. Simple, but it does build up the atmosphere. We on Radio was love doing games at Rodney Parade because you know there's going to be a good atmosphere before the game. That five minutes mm. before kickoff sometimes goes down on kickoff. <laughs> but uh, 
But before it, it's a really good atmosphere. And so I think there are possibilities there. I've heard so much talk of, well, what about a stadium outside of town? You know, um, but they they are using the making. I can think of one or two stadiums. There's a, there's a sort of second stadium at Manchester City where mm. uh, their reserve team plays. It's about 10,000 all-seater. Probably all that Newport and the Dragons need. But actually, Rodney Parade has got a charm all of its own. And being so close to the city centre, it's got a lot going for it anyway. So, you know, if, if David Buttress can, now the Dragons will be taken back. I'm not huge on rugby. I'm not I'm an expert on rugby, but I think they're now either on the brink of or in private ownership. Then it opens up possibilities. I certainly think that there's enough interest in sport in Newport for the clubs to do more together, to maybe sell season tickets to both, to maybe combine that. Um, so that's something that, you know, that's that's probably a long way down the line. But I don't see any reason why it shouldn't work if it happened. Well, whatever happens with the the David Buttress, Dragons, Rodney Parade thing, I'm excited anyway. I think um, he's 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 got his head screwed on and um, it can only be good things for, for the city of Newport anyway. Um, right. Well, uh, I think we're going to sort of wrap up there, but. Before I let you go, Rob, I just I do have to ask um, you know your your general thoughts on the on the upcoming season. We've spoken about Coughlin, we've spoken about all the great work he's done so far, and um, and the season you know the the challenges ahead this season. Um, but what what's your gut feeling for for Newport County this season? Um, I'll say now I don't think they're going down because of the manager. Uh, I think it'll be a tough season if they could get the investment off the field maybe in time for January, to just give him a little bit of leeway financially. I think that would be a big bonus to him. What I understand is that off the field, they are trying to get things sorted um, and trying to put things right. That will take a while, though. There's always talk of investment. Um, Newport needs it, like every other club. But they won't be the only club who are facing a tight budget, an almost impossible budget. This season, you know, there are very few clubs. I mean, you know, the one big exception in League Two who don't have to worry about money so much. Um, Newport will have to be uh, concerned about that. But I think I would probably, Graham Coffin would hate me saying this, I'd probably take where they finished last season now. Yeah. I mean, Rob, I'd take 22nd right now. I'll be honest with you. Um <laughs> Yeah, and that's just the the pessimist in me. Um, sort of, yeah. You know, I've, I've, yeah, you know, I was at a couple of the games last year, and um, and you know, as as you were as well. And like you say, it's not, it wasn't a, a pretty watch. And uh, um, yeah, I'll be honest, I've I've not been at the preseason matches, so I don't know really what the new guys are going to be looking like. But I'm just concerned we've we've lost an entire back line. Basically, we've lost Cam Norman, we've lost Priestley, Mickey, um, Aaron Lewis as well. You know the it's a lot of players going a lot of experienced pros at the same time but like i say i don't know what the uh the guys coming in are really sort of gonna be able to offer us so i'm just gonna wait until accrington first game of the season yeah we'll see i mean you're right big losses uh, mickey dimitri i think is a, a huge loss i know he had a tough spell during the season but actually he's a stalwart 
Cameron Norman, I sort of half expected him to go anyway. Aaron Lewis, who I thought got better when he moved into midfield. Mm. He's, he's a good footballer. Um, and Priestley Farkasson, yeah, he will need to be replaced as well. But um, Nathan Blake tells me, I'm relying on Nathan on this, but he remembers Nathan Wood in the Newport Academy, and he liked what he saw then. And I think uh, Reese Griffiths does a really good job at Pennabont. They've let, obviously, James Waite arrived at Newport from Pennabont. Mm-hmm. He might be one to look out for. I don't watch preseason games as a rule because I don't read anything into them. But I think um, goalkeeper has to be good. I think Nick Townsend is decent. I think if he can get the back four, five sorted, and you'd expect Graham Coughlin with his background to sort out the defence first. Aaron Wildick steer clear of injury and Omar Bogle continuing in the vein he did last season. Then, as I said, I take 15th now. Absolutely. Rob Phillips, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's also really nice to hear that you're you're one of our listeners as well. So we really appreciate that. Pleasure. Anytime. You know that. Oh, thank you very much, Rob. And yeah, best of luck for the season. Um, I hope you enjoy all four of the uh of the welsh derbies that um that you'll get to watch um i mean we're probably dreading two of them um at this end but um <laughs> but we'll see won't we yeah it'll be great and as i said do you know i would sum up um my sort of view is that I heard steve bunce the radio five boxing commentator say um I've, I've reported on boxing for 38 years he said and i've never done a day's work in my life and actually, this is my job, and I can honestly say, and not once do I ever wake up thinking, I don't want to go to work today. So bring on the season. Rob Phillips, thank you very much. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.